What's up, everybody? And we are back and live for the 2022-2023 NHL season. We are back from our hiatus, and episode 22 is here. We have a uh, guest, returning guest on the Lip Lettuce podcast, our second returning guest, Mitchell Clinton of Jets TV. He came on the show last year, and he will be on later in the episode to... Give us some news on the Winnipeg Jets turning around their season, surprisingly, and no one expected them to come out of the gates being first in the Central Division. So uh, Mitch will give us some insight on how all of that is transpiring in Winnipeg. But other than that, me and Hershon are back. Um, We are talking hockey. So how do you feel about being back for the 2022-23 season, Sean? We will get right into uh, the hockey talk. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've done an episode. How long has it been? I think almost. we made, an episode, we made an episode right before training camp. So Yeah, that's... almost two months. Our last episode was with uh, Daryl Evans. But we'll be back on a more consistent basis now for sure. And we have a lot to talk about, like I said. The 2022-23 season has started, and we are about almost a quarter way mark through the season. And there's been some uh, surprise teams who are doing very well, and some teams who people thought were going to do well and have struggled out of the gate. So, Sean, we'll start with um, a little pretender and contender segment. Um, we're nearing American Thanksgiving, and that's usually the mark of teams uh you know whether there'll be a playoff team or whether they'll be missing the playoffs um so we'll start with the pretenders and contenders a few teams that have jumped out of the gate early who have surprised a lot of people are uh, the new jersey devils boston bruins in the eastern conference on um the boston bruins we'll start with them not because People didn't think with their fully healthy roster that they would be not a contender. But the biggest question mark going to the season was, will they be able to weather the storm of their injuries? And, man, have they ever. They're 15-2 and as of this recording, and they're first in the NHL. So, Sean, what do you think of the Boston Bruins? Do you think they're a true Stanley Cup contender? Or do you think they're a uh, pretender riding some high – percentages and do you think that will sustain through the whole year uh no i do think they're contenders and i was very surprised when they came out to that hot start i think they were like 10 and 1 before marchand and mcavoy came back and it was actually impressive with some of the injuries they're dealing with you know bergeron coming back on just a one-year deal and you know i think they still have their veteran presence Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, McAvoy. They having they have the best goal thing in the league right now with Allmark. Swayman's hurt, but Allmark's playing unbelievable. So this team is definitely for real, and I don't think they're just riding some hot streaks. So yeah, I agree. David Krejci coming back, man. That guy is a he's an ageless wonder. Yeah, he got injured, but he's been producing. Zaka's been producing. Pasternak is. Having a career year 
in a contract season where he's going to be getting paid in the summer. Absolutely paid. And this is kind of like the closest thing you'll get to, you know, this is so overused in hockey ever since that documentary came out during COVID. But this is the last dance, I think, for the Bruins. Uh, I don't see Bergeron really playing much longer. And I don't see Krejci playing much longer. So this core will be shaken up a little bit after this season. And Brad Marchand's getting up there in age. And it's going to be turned over to guys like David Pasternak, Charlie McAvoy. But with this current Bruins roster, yeah, this is uh, this is a team that uh, is on their last dance. So we'll see if they can get it done. And um, moving on to the next team, the New Jersey Devils, Sean. What do you think of this? This is the most surprising team to me. I thought they would be improved over last year because the goaltending couldn't get much worse. But did I think they would be this good? No. What's your thoughts on the New Jersey Devils? Yeah, I didn't start off well. Uh, Five and eight chance first couple of games. Um, but ever since then, it's been, what, 11 games in a row won. Um their defense, their defensive core is some like their that right side on their defense is probably one of the best in the NHL. They play such a structured system that they capitalize off turnovers. I mean, they're so fast. Jesper Bratt, probably the most underrated player in the NHL. Brat Pack. Yeah, Brat Pack, that huge fandom. He's he bet on himself, signed that one year five million dollar deal and in this contract here, he's he's really something else. So they're getting good goaltending too from Vanacek. Blackwood's injured, but he shouldn't be out for too long. So I wouldn't say this team's a contender since we haven't seen him, you know, do much in the playoffs. But like, I wouldn't say they're a pretender either. They're definitely be a team directed with in the Metro. So yeah, I mean they're the young Brat stars. Pack, and the Brat Pack has an argument that Jesper Bratt is the best player in the NHL. I don't agree with that, but he's definitely coming up as a superstar in this league. If he has a few more seasons, like the season he had last year and this year, he definitely is uh, one of the most dynamic boards in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. And with you know they have Nico Hish- Nico Hischer, who's taken a huge step in his game this year. Jack Hughes. They have so many young players in that forward group. It's yeah. Well, we saw New Jersey play last year, and we saw flashes of extreme talent and speed but they just couldn't get a save yeah definitely struggled goaltending and injuries last year but team seems healthy and you know they're on a huge winning streak so another team that's buzzing but missed the playoffs last year they're coming back to vintage franchise form is the vegas golden knights um with Logan Thompson in that, a Canadian university graduate, you don't see many Canadian university guys in the NHL. So what do you think of the Golden Knights? Doing it without their number one goalie, um, first in the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think coming this season, um, their expectations are probably higher than last year. They're fully healthy this year, basically, except for Robin Leonard, but... With Eichel playing, I mean, we we went after Eichel last year, calling him overrated. But this year, he's he's really he seems like the Eichel we saw in Buffalo, and 
having all their players back. Stone, their defense is healthy. Logan Thompson is playing. He's a good NHL goalie. So the West isn't as strong. And Vegas is, I think, will definitely pull away with first in the West this year. And I think they'll be a contender. And the last team in our segment, Sean, the Winnipeg Jeff, first in the Central. We have Mitchell Clinton on later to talk about this team, give us some more in-depth detail about what's going on. But do you think the Jets are for real? Um, yeah, I mean, they're getting like just elite goaltending out of Connor Hellebuck. Like this is the Connor Hellebuck we saw a couple years ago where you know, he just plays he plays seventy games and he's that goalie, that top five goalie in the league and you're also getting balanced scoring from Shifley, Kyle Connor. Ehlers hasn't even played a game yet, and they're still doing this without him. Um, this team, I mean, they've always looked good on paper, and they've never really shown it, but this year they seem to be breaking out. So I think they're definitely a playoff team this year, but it'll be interesting to see how it shapes out in the Metro. Well, the biggest the story, one of the biggest storylines this year, transitioning into uh, the next little topic, um, in all of hockey, has to be the Vancouver Canucks. They've struggled, to say the least. And this team, without any prospects, without all their draft picks uh, for the next few years, and looking very, very mid on a nightly basis, they've given up six multi-goal leads. They did that all of the last two seasons combined. Um has to be the most abysmal franchise in hockey right now. What are your thoughts on the Canucks? Um, there's so much wrong with this team. It's hard to put a finger on on what to say exactly is wrong with them and where to start fixing them. But do you think that they should tank for Bedard? Or do you think that they should... I'm not even sure what to do besides take Bedard. That's the only path I see for this team, but obviously the owner does not agree with the rebuild or else they would have done it within the last 10 years. So if you were owner of the Canucks, president of the Canucks for the rest of the year, what would you be doing? It's so tough. I mean, there's so many contracts. Like, oh, yeah, even like a player... Oh, yeah, Tyler Myers. Like, these contracts are going to be hard to move. I don't know how you're going to get rid of them. You're going to have to give up draft picks. You're going to give up – I mean, they don't really have any prospects. So, really, all they have is draft capital. Um, this team – But they don't even have all their draft capital. They gave yeah. up a second for Stillman. This team is really stuck in, like, nowhere. I don't know what this team could do. I don't think they're bad enough to tank – they're better than these bottom feeder teams. They could, that's where they're going to win their games. They're not good enough to even compete for a playoff spot. I mean, their top five goalie last year, he's playing like... They have the worst goal thing in the league right now with from Spencer Martin and Thatcher Demko. And, I mean, you signed JP Moore to extension and he looks horrendous. Um, and you're getting huge production out of your captain, Bo Horvath, his contract here. But that's being wasted. You're getting... Um, Pedersen's best year, one of his best years of his career, it looks like, and that's being wasted. So I think this team is really just stuck in the middle of nowhere. So I don't know what they would do. They would have to 
going to a full rebuild. Yeah, you and I went to that Carolina game, and that was one of the most pathetic efforts I've ever seen from a Nuggets team. And we were there live. Like, they were down to one going into the third, and they got three shots in all the third period. And it's really been, like, as much of the same story for the rest of school season. And you look at their wins. Like, they've beaten Anaheim. They beat Seattle. Seattle, I'm not totally sold on still. Um, they beat Ottawa. Like, they haven't beaten good teams. They've beaten Pittsburgh when they were very much struggling. Um, their latest win came against Buffalo, who's reeling as well. So they haven't really had a, a victory this year where I'm like, wow, the kind of won a game against a strong team. Um, and that's concerning. Like, this is probably one of the worst hockey clubs I've seen um, out of Vancouver. And it just seems like everything is wrong from the top to the bottom. So they have some pieces. That's the only thing that is the bright spot. Quinn Hughes, Elias Pedersen. But if I was those players, why would I want to stay in this kind of situation? Yeah, exactly. And, I don't... and, and the only money coming off their books next year is their best goal scorer, Bull Horvat. So losing him would make them worse. Um, they can't let him walk for nothing, so they have a big decision to make. If they can't get the deal done, they're going to have to trade him. Yeah, I think something I always see on social media comparison, like if anyone watches NBA, New York Knicks, Vancouver Canucks, exact same. I mean, they had their runs around 2011, 2012, and then they had their chance to rebuild, but they never wanted to. They just Now they're stuck in this middle of nowhere where they're not bad enough tank for first pick, but they're not good enough to compete. So, I mean, Canucks are... It's hard. It's Actually, I look forward to watching Canucks games just because seeing them fall apart like this, actually, is pretty like enjoyable. Chaos. Like yeah, chaos, it's enjoyable. And I don't know, I feel like uh, we've also seen Rutherford go after their own coach saying that they're not playing a structured yeah, no, system. I've, I've I don't know what that, that is. Yeah, they need to either fire Boudreaux, which would just be a terrible message, and the fans would turn on management and owners, or they need to stop coming out and absolutely trashing him in the media. Yeah, how do you trash your own coach, but you're, he still has a job? Like, you're just trashing him. They're, they're just too scared to fire him because they know what would happen if they did. Yeah, the, the changes need to be made with players, whether that be Besser, Garland, Mikheyev, um, Miller, Anyone really is un- not untouchable, I think, at this moment for the Canucks. Um, but moving on to the next topic, Sean. Um, we have our next segment here, which I like to call over-under. So I'll give you a stat. I'll give you a player. I'll give you a team. Um, and you tell me, you think they're going to score, do more than that, less than that, and why? So the first over, first under I have. Horvat. Do you think he's scoring over 45 or under 45? Right now, he's on pace for about 60, 70 goals. I'm going under 45. I just don't think he keeps... He's basically at a goal again pace at this point. I mean, his career high is 31. I think he reaches 40, 45. I mean, it's pretty close, but it's so hard to say. Because if he does get past 45, that means he hits 50. No, I don't think he does it. I think he's under. I think maybe 40 is his max. Okay, well, is this the year Connor McDavid gets 50 goals? Over, under 50 for McDavid. 
definitely over. I mean, he's leading the league in goals right now, and I mean, what's stopping him from scoring 50 goals? He's best player in the world, no doubt. So, I think this year he scores over 50. Your boy, Poppy. I'll give you the over-under for 50 for Austin Matthews. He's scoring over. There's just... I don't know. It's so... He only has two five and five goals this year, and he led the league last year with thirty eight. Um, he's just he's due for a game where he scores a hat trick five on five. Like there's, it's gonna happen. You just know eventually, the pucks gonna go in the net. He's second in shot attempts in the league. Like he just needs some puck luck, and I think eventually he's gonna break out, score fifty. Um, over under four. Jason Robertson scoring 90 points. I'm going to go over. I mean, he's already had a better start than he was last year. Last year, he put up how many points was it? Uh, I, I, he didn't play all the games, but he, I think he scored about 78. Yeah, 78 points. So, I think I mean, if he keeps it up, he's, I think he's going to go over 90. So, you, St. Louis Blues... Um, do you have them in the playoffs or out of the playoffs? That's tough to say. Um, they have won a few games, four games in a row now. Um, that West, that West is so hard to say. It's not very competitive at the moment. So, I mean, if they keep it up like right now, I think they could sneak into the wild card. I mean, yeah, I think that's hard. That's a toss up. I think. I don't know. That's hard to say. If I had to say right now, no, but I think they will actually make the playoffs. Okay, Sean. And my last one. Um, I know this isn't a uh, over-under question, but this is a question that I have. With hockey being fighting being on the decline in hockey, not being as relevant, I think that the heavyweight division has made a comeback in hockey. You have some big heavyweights. Um, Tanner Janot, Ryan Reeve, Arbor Jackye, um, to name a few. Nick DeLaurier, you could throw in the mix there. Um, for your money, who is the best pound-for-pound fighter in the NHL? So if they were to have like a fighting tournament all on skates, who's the best fighter? Yeah, who's the, who's the best fighter? Who who are you taking right now? Who's the best fighter in the NHL right now? Who's the most? Who's the guy that other guys just don't want to drop the gloves with? Well, that's hundred percent Ryan Reeves. When was the last time you saw someone brave enough to stand there and take it from Ryan Reeves? I think like well, he's the one. Chara retired. Yes, Chara Reeves. But oh yeah, but I mean, everyone thought Wilson was that guy, and then that Vegas Washington series was. It's all Ryan Reeves. I think he's that guy. I mean, New York traded him for trade for him for that reason because nobody wants to mess with someone like Ryan Reeves. So, but, well, honestly, I put it uh, as the best fighter. Like, I think Tanner Janot is up there too. Well, Reeves and Janot just fought, and Reeves, you know, and he gave that heavyweight belt taunt to the crowd after they, that fight. But it was a close one. But uh, a guy who's a dark horse for me. And the Rangers have not played the Canadian. 
Why would Jack? Know, they might fight. Yeah, they might fight for the heavyweight. I title. mean, yeah, he did. Why would Jack? I did ragdoll Cassian like it was nothing. Yep. So we'll see if Reeves and Jacky throw down. But I might, I might have to take Jacky. He might be a dark horse in this one. That he's definitely up there. Okay, Sean. Well, I think that's it for uh, our first episode back. But we, like I said, we'll be back on a consistent basis. And uh, we have an interview with Mitchell Clinton of Jets TV. Been covering the Jets, beat reporter for your Winnipeg Jets. So we will um, talk to him and obviously get some in-depth insight on why the Winnipeg Jets have been able to turn it around this year. Um, anything else, Sean, um, for you today other than that? Uh, no, I don't think so. No predictions, no uh, predictions like last year. Oh, I do have one prediction. I think, um, I think this year. I know last year I said Matthews for Selkie, and then I said Matthews for Hart. So this year, I think, um, I think Pure Engvall is going to win the Hart Trophy. Oh Okay, we're ending this podcast. <laughs> we're ending this podcast now. We'll throw it over to Mitchell Clinton. There will be none of this kind of talk. I'm I'm here for Matt Murray revenge season tour more than your Engvall for Hart. So you think Matt Murray's going to win Vesna? Oh, he's coming for it. And that is it for episode 22 with me and Hashan. Thank you again, Sean, for joining me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll throw it over to uh, Mitchell Clinton. Peace. Bye. I'm so excited to bring on our next guest on the Lip Lettuce podcast. He is a Jets TV reporter at True North Sports and knows the Winnipeg Jets better than anyone. He is our returning guest, Mitchell Clinton. Thank you so much for your time today uh, coming on the Lip Lettuce podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So Mitchell, last year when we had you on, uh, the Jets were in a little bit of a different spot, obviously, than uh, they are this year. Uh, coming into the season, it was a little bit of uncertainty with uh, the leadership change, obviously with Blake Wheeler um, being removed as the captain. But they've started the season really well, um, sitting atop the central. What do you think's been the key to such a surprising start for the Jets? Honestly, it's it's hard to narrow it down to, to one or, or two things because I think it's kind of been a collective, especially when you consider the fact, you know, like the, the Jets have played 15 games so far as we record this and Nikolai Ehlers hasn't played in 13 of them, you know. So, I mean, that's that's a big part of it. The Jets have kind of been dinged up a little bit with injuries. Mason Appleton's out eight to 12 weeks. Morgan Barron's out four to five weeks. Logan Stanley on the back end, he's been out for a while with a fractured foot. So, even with all the injuries, the Jets have just seemed to find ways to win games. And I think ultimately that that starts, you know, with Connor Hellebuck. He's had just a sensational start to the year, rocking like a 935 save percentage right now, which, you know, you always felt he was he's a goaltender that's capable of that, as we've seen in previous years. Uh, you know, obviously won the Vezina Trophy in 2020. Uh, in 2018, he was a big part of the team that went to the Western Conference Final. And even in the years in between, especially when the Jets were going through that transition on their blue line, 
Um, he was every bit of the the goaltender that that I think you would expect him to be, and was a reason the Jets won a bunch of games. And then, really, when you look at this year, I think you know, obviously you have a uh, Mark Scheifele's got ten goals already. Uh, he had a slower start to last season just because of you know he had COVID at the start of the year, and then just kind of took him a little while to get going. I, I think he said he it took him a couple months really to recover and, and actually feel like himself again. So he's had a great start. Um, but also, I think they're just defending better, number one, you know, and as much as there was one road trip uh, early in the season where they gave up a whole whack load of shots and Connor Hellebuck was at his best to be able to have the Jets pull five out of six points out of that road trip. But outside of that, especially since then, they've defended a lot better. The high danger chances against are down, which has been a, a huge part of it. So really, it's been a just a collective, you know, the, they're pulling wins out of Games like they had in Seattle uh, not too long ago where they were trailing going into the final minute. They score you know, with a few seconds left in regulation, then win it in overtime. So, you know, you're getting also some breaks uh, with that as well. So it's been kind of a, a collection of a number of things. But, hey, you know, in the National Hockey League, as long as you're collecting points and picking up wins, especially early on to get yourself off to a good start, the Winnipeg Jets will take them no matter how they come. Right. And... The coaching change uh, has been talked about a lot, obviously bringing Rick Bonus into the picture with Winnipeg. Do you think that he's helped shift um, the locker room or do you get a sense that the locker room has a better vibe than they did uh, it last year? I think wins, you know, go a long way to doing that. But I think also, you know, when, when you talk to a bunch of the, uh, a bunch of the players, a lot of it just really stems from the fact a lot of things seem to be just a lot more clear this year um i don't know whether it was you know how things were running training camp because they were going with some new systems some some big adjustments that they had to make so they were all kind of starting at you know ground zero together and learning together and you know on top of that you know we talked you mentioned a little bit earlier on about blake wheeler you know no longer being captain but that doesn't mean you know that he doesn't still have a big leadership stake in that room right so I think a lot of players, even if they don't have an A on them, like Mark Shifley, Josh Morrissey, and Adam Lowry do this year, they still all feel very involved in the direction of the team. And I think that's something that has really kind of forged everyone together a little bit more. This was always a really close group. Like it's interesting because, you know, you look back to last year, yeah, things weren't necessarily going the way that the Winnipeg Jets would have liked. But, you know, you go into the offseason, Josh Morrissey got married in the offseason, and there were 14 players from the team there. So, Clearly, this is a group that that is still quite close. And then you get off to the, the start the Jets have had. That's that's played a part of it. They went to Banff for a few days uh, at the end of the preseason, just ahead of uh, the regular season opening up. And I think at that point, they kind of all not necessarily put it on paper, but really communicated exactly what everybody wanted from a teammate. And there's a group of them, a group of the the, the players, the goaltenders, the coaches, they all kind of signed this. Uh, I guess you could say pledge, if you will. I'm not sure if that's the right word for it, but they all kind of signed on to that. And it's kind of become a big part of uh, part of the room and the identity of this team. So, you know, I'm sure, you know, whenever you talk to players about Rick Bonus, a lot of times you'll hear he's a really good, personable person. He's just somebody that talks a lot, communicates well, communicates a lot of the decisions really well. And I'm sure that's just kind of factored down uh, into the room. With uh, what, Nikolai Ehlers going down for a long-term um, long-term injured reserve with the hernia surgery. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Winnipeg would be in the market for a forward uh, to add uh, at or near the trade deadline? You know what? I, 
depending on the turnaround of the recovery, right? So I've seen a few kind of reports out there just from doctors <laughs> who are way more qualified than I'll ever be, um, that a kind of a hernia surgery turnaround time is about eight to 12 weeks. So that's something that you're not necessarily wanting to, to rush, especially for someone like Nikolai Ehlers. If that, you know, hernia and everything we've been told is that it's a lower body injury. If that's got anything to do with his legs or his skating stride, you want to be as cautious as humanly possible because one of the things that really separates Nikolai Ehlers in the National Hockey League is those legs and that speed. So I would expect the Winnipeg Jets to be quite careful uh, with his return. So even at 12 weeks, I think that brings you into, uh, I think, early February, roughly. Um, so that would be kind of prior to the trade deadline. I don't, if, you know, and Kevin Cheveldayoff, no matter how many times I knock on the door, isn't going to answer this uh, question from me. So I kind of just have to, you know, wonder about it myself, I suppose. You know, he's not going to, I don't think he's going to rush into anything. You know, he's always been someone that's been very uh, cerebral about these things and really just, you know, if if something comes along that maybe interests him, sure, you know, he'll 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 consider it and really make a really well thought out decision in regards to that. But listen, you know, like I said off the top, Ehlers has been out for 13 to the 15 games and Winnipeg is still off to its best start through 15 games in franchise history. So, you know, yeah, you know, Nikolai Ehlers is a six time 20 goal scorer, a guy that you would really like to have in your lineup. Um, but at the same time, you can't just necessarily, you know, start dealing away assets just to, you know, satisfy covering that spot, especially, you know, when it looks like he's going to be able to return this year, that makes a, a big difference as well. So um, I would imagine it's it's kind of a one day at a time kind of thing at this point. Um, but the one thing that's going to kind of work against the Jets here is they've kind of gotten through the, uh, I guess you could say, slower part of their schedule now. Uh, they played about five games for the first 16 days of November. So it was a lot of play a game, three days off, play a game, three days off. Now they're playing at literally, I think, every other day with the exception of a day here or there, almost till at the end of February. So that's going to be a lot for the Winnipeg Jets to handle. So clearly you're going to be missing a guy like Nikolai Ehlers for a lot of games, just given the schedule. But we'll kind of see how things shake out uh, over the short term here for the Winnipeg Jets. Right. And um, a few days ago, Timo Solani and Teppo Numanen were inducted into the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame. Um, they spent some time in Winnipeg before the ceremony. What was the biggest takeaway you had from that ceremony? And uh, what's like your best memory of either of those players in Winnipeg? Yeah, so like when they played, like obviously when, when Timo Solani broke Mike Bossy's record for goals by a rookie in a season, uh, I think I was four or five. So I never really like... It never really computed, if 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 that makes any sense to you, like I kind of like how big of a deal that was. But I think one of the the really cool things about working for this organization and covering the team is just that, you know, you've I've gotten to kind of have a front row seat of how, you know, the first era of the Winnipeg Jets became connected to the second, and that's been you know really some great work from Mark Chipman and and everybody everybody involved in the organization, especially from that 2016 Heritage Classic when that really memorable alumni game was held outdoors here in Winnipeg against Edmonton, that was just a really, really cool uh, beginning to that connection. And Dale Howarchuk had a huge part of it. And then, so to have Timo and, and Teppo come into the city 
first off, the ovation from the fans was spectacular. That was really cool to see. And I think it's also just a, it kind of shows how, you know, if you're someone that plays in this city, embraces this community, this province, you know, and, and play hard every single night, you're going to be loved here. And that's exactly what it was for, for uh, Teppo and Timu. In terms of like memories, the year that uh, Winnipeg was going to be playing in Finland, uh, I think it was early in the 1819 season. The summer before that, we went out to Finland and uh, we were just kind of collecting. We, we visited uh, Patrick Line was still with the Jets at that point. Um, so we kind of went to like a training session with him and kind of caught up with him in the, in the off season. And we're really just doing a bunch of uh, features on, you know, Winnipeg's connection to Finland. And we were able to make it work with Timu's crazy schedule. We met him at a, at a hockey rink about an hour, I think outside of Helsinki. And man, you want to talk about a guy that was like gracious with his time, especially given how busy he was. He sat down with us for about uh, 30, 45 minutes and just kind of talked about everything from, you know, maybe what Patrick Lani at that time was going through as a young Finn trying to make it in the National Hockey League, comparing it to his experience. And like, even after the interview was done, you know, we stood around and talked with him for another 25 minutes, you know, like he was as much as, you know, he had things to do and places to go. He always had a way to make you feel uh, like you were, you know, special and that he wanted to make sure that you had time and, and whatnot. And he was, always really good with that. And that seems to be a lot of the stories that you hear about Timu's time in Winnipeg. As far as Teppo, man, like you want to talk like underrated. That was always something that, that came up with him. Just a, a real smooth skating defenseman, just incredibly reliable. Um, that same trip when we were in Finland, uh, there's like a big alumni game that they do for players that used to play in the pro league over there. And Teppo was playing. And uh, so after the game, I went over to him and I was like, hey, like you got like five minutes just to talk with us. Kind of explained, you know, obviously where we were from. We were wearing Jets logos, but still kind of give him the background. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, he got his gear off and whatnot. And uh, we were waiting in the hallway. And about 20 minutes later, he came out. He's like, sorry, you know, I had to shower, get the hair right. You know how it is. So he just has like a really good personality. And um, you could tell it. there's a couple of years where when Newman was in Winnipeg, and Dale Howardchuk was still in Winnipeg. So you could tell it meant a lot to Newman in as well to see the Dale Howardchuk statue and just kind of take a few minutes there. Um, he said that, you know, Dale was a big part of making him feel comfortable when he came over to North America and just making him feel like a part of the team. So um, two guys that, you know, deserved every bit of the ovation that they got uh, when their numbers were uh, put up into that Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame and obviously two uh, massive celebrities if you will two massive superstars who had a big part of winnipeg's hockey history here well thank you for those uh stories and that insight on the winnipeg jets and uh hopefully the jets get a win tonight and keep on their success they would absolutely love it thanks for having me yeah thanks again take care see ya